0: So let's actually go ahead with the article about um, what is it called the philosophy and science of stoic free will. Yeah, which apparently um, is about the free will. But as I've been going through it the last time and I'm having to shut the windows so that it is not too loud. As I've seen the last time, it basically is about something that I've been, you know, kind of. Well, I've been philosophical about it for quite some time, but it is about creating meaning and purpose in life. But yeah, let's actually go ahead. I don't know where I've stopped, but I think that I'm going to rather quickly. Well, Long provides his so long being due, the, the, the author of um, another article, so not this article, but another article this article is about you know, article anyway. Long provides his readers with a very good discussion of why he ends up translating proahiresis with volition or volition, whatever. And it is well worth attending to his reasoning. He considers three other options. Moral purpose or moral character, will and agency. He discards the first possibility because prohairesis can be good or bad, while quote unquote moral has a positive meaning only. Moreover, the world is tainted by later connotations that would distract and lead us to misunderstand the Stoic meaning. So, what about will? He has actually translated prohairesis <laughs> that way. Occasionally, particularly because Epictetus does use phrases like, if you will, you are free. But again, the term has become loaded with especially Christian-influenced meaning and more importantly, it may lead us to erroneously, uh, erroneously, er- er- is it coming from arrow, anyway, Um conclude that Epictetus is thinking of a faculty of the will distinct from assent and impulse, which he is definitely not. Agency says Long is a better alternative, and indeed, it is the one used by Stoic Lawrence Becker throughout his, throughout <laughs> throughout his, quote-unquote, A New Stoicism, about which I have recently published a ten-part commentary. But Long isn't happy with Agency either. Consider this passage. And who told you? It is your function to walk in a what? un Unim- uh, what I was telling you is that the only unimpeded thing is the impulse. Wherever there is a need for the body and the body's cooperation, we have long ago heard that nothing is your own. This causes, um, what is it? Isn't it four? I think it is four. One point seventy two to seventy three. What this is reminding his students of here is that even our body the actions are not entirely up to us. We may decide to start walking, but we could be paralyzed by disease or chained to a wall by a tyrant, so the action is not entirely up to us. Only the impulse to perform the function, since quote-unquote agency, typically carries the meaning of actually doing things, not just willing them. Then I would have to agree with Long's stake. Hence, uh, the final preference to, for volition, which in modern psychology is Quote-unquote, the cognitive process by which an individual decides on and commits to a particular cause of action, it is defined as perp- what purposive striving and is one of the primary human psychological functions. As Long correctly points out, volition is not contradictory to a physicist, oh, I'm sorry, not a physicist, but to a physicalist view of the world as determined by cause and effect. And you know, whenever there's something happening, you know, there must be a reason for why it is happening. And so there's also a reason for why we are walking. You know, the question always is, where it is stemming from, you know, what the reason is and what the cause is, you know. We often see the effect of things, but we unfortunately very, very, very often don't know the cause of it, which is bad when we're talking about science, you know, and in particular medicine as a science. Because, well, yeah, you know, you can have cancer, but this is the effect and not the cause, you know. But on the other hand, the effect might also be the cause of something else, you know. So the effect of a cause might be the cause for something else. Meaning, if you have cancer, which is the effect of, you know, maybe poor, I don't know, eating habits, maybe poor genes, maybe poor whatever. But this cancer can lead to you dying. Quite, which is then the effect of cancer, isn't it? And there's another quote: We take people to have volition, irrespective of whether these are predetermined or independent of antecedent causation. Page two hundred and twenty. And moreover, modern psychological science considers volition to be, quote unquote, a process of uh, conscious action control, with which becomes automized. See a link just above. But wait a minute. Isn't it a fact of modern science that free will, however one wishes to call it, is an quote-unquote illusion? Specifically, didn't the famous experiments by Benjamin Libet, or Libet, whatever, back in the 1980s, conclusively show that to be the case? Does that not mean, therefore, that the entire Stoic philosophy of mind, and hence the crucial idea of the dichotomy of control, is as pressed by Epictetus at the very beginning of the Enhidrion, crumble under the pounding of modern science. Nope, not at all. On the contrary, Libe's experiments and subsequent others carried out since specularly confirmed the Asian-Stoic intuition about prohairesis. Libé performed some fascinating experiments on conscious versus unconscious decision making beginning back in 1983. I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. He asked subjects to follow the movements of a dot on a screen of an osculoscope. The dot moved like the hands of a clock, but faster. Libet told his subjects to move a finger at a moment of their choice during the experiment, noting the position of the dot when they became aware of their decision to act. The experiment showed that the decision to move the finger entered conscious awareness about 200 milliseconds before the actual movement. Stunningly, there was a rise in the so-called readiness potential, which, uh, which is thought to be associated with the preparation for action about 550 milliseconds before movement. So the subjects appeared to get ready to move the a full 350 milliseconds before they became conscious of their decision to do so. Indeed, in later experiments, the readiness potential has been shown to build up even as long as 1.5 seconds before movement. Taken at face value, libet's results seem to show that we decide our actions unconsciously and that what we call consciousness is simply a late awareness of a decision that has been made. So basically... First you do something, and then you recognize that you're doing something. There are several well-known criticisms of such conclusion, beginning with the obvious one, that the experimental conditions have um presses what? Have pressures little to do with what? Is it precise pressure? Well, I don't know, little to do with the recursive complex behavior that we normally label, quote unquote, conscious decision making, and which is understood as a continuous feedback loop between what Daniel uh, Kahneman calls System 1, which is fast and subconscious, and System 2, which is slow and deliberate brain processing systems. But in fact, it was Libet himself who rejected the f- facial, quote-unquote, free will is an illusion interpretation of his own research. So here is a part of his commentary. Let's see. The finding that the volatility process processes initiated unconsciously leads to the question, is there then any role for conscious will in the performance of a voluntary act? The conscious will does appear 150 milliseconds before the motor act, even though it follows the onset of the cerebral action by at least 400 milliseconds that allows it, potentially, to affect or control the final outcome of the volitional process. An interval millisecond before a muscle is activated is the time for the primary motor cortex to activate the spinal motor nerve cells and, through them, then the muscles. During this final 50 seconds, the act goes to completion with no possibility of its being stopped by the rest of the cerebral cortex. The conscious will could decide to allow the volitional process to go to completion, resulting in the motor act itself or the conscious will could block or veto the process so that no motor act occurs. B.Liebe, or Libet, however, Mind Time, The Temporal Factor in Consciousness, 2004, page 137. Um, Amazing that the author of this article is actually pointing that out because people who would like to know more could start reading there, which is amazing. Note that the motor cortex is questioned in question is part, surprise, surprise, what? Note that the motor cortex in question is part, surprise, surprise, of the frontal lobes especially, or specifically part of the posterior border of the lobe called the percentral gyrus, hmm. gyrus flesh, which I have suggested is the anatomical counterpart of both the hegemonicon and enables the faculty of prohaeresis. also, Recent research summarized here has led to a reinterpretation of Libe's original findings that align them even more with the intuitions of the Stoics. For instance, a group of researchers in Germany has modified the original protocol to test Libe's idea of a way to power exercised by conscious thought. Bear with me for a minute because some of the details are important. Subjects were asked to hit a foot pedal as quickly as possible after seeing a green light on a screen, but also to stop themselves from doing so i.e. cancel cancel their own movements whenever a red light appeared. Researchers then put the red light under the control of a computer, monitoring the participants' brain waves. The twist was that whenever the computer detected the above-mentioned readiness potential building up, it would make a red light appear. In agreement with Libby's V2 hypothesis, um, participants were in fact able to stop themselves from pushing the pedal, reversing the build-up of the action potential. Ah, I see. This is an amazing experiment. This was possible up until a point of no return. If the red light was too close after the green one, about 0.25 seconds, then the foot movement could not be completely inhibited. And there is more. A French team of neuroscientists published a paper in 2012 in the prestigious uh, ...proceedings of the National Academy of Science, in which the in which they argued for a different interpretation of LiPé's original experiment. They suggested that the readiness potential does not, in fact, signal the brain's preparation for a specific action. Rather, the potential goes up and show up and down randomly, but movement can only occur when a certain threshold and the potential is reached. Sure enough, uh, they conducted an experiment in which they asked subjects to press a button, either at moments of their own choosing or when they heard a random click. The results show that the response to the random clicks were much faster when they happened to uh, coincide with a, again, random surge in the readiness potential than when uh, the potential happened to be... what? Then, oh, then when the uh, when the potential happened to be low, so the potential is not really a sign of an already made unconscious decision, but rather one of a number of co uh, co occurring causes that facilitate the movement. All of the above seems to seems to me Im- uh, eminently compatible with the Stoic take on volition. Please understand that I am not suggesting that the Asian Stoics somehow anticipated more than your and that would be. A, Pre-Post chorus. They knew nothing about action potentials and they even got particularly or spec- <laughs> spectacularly wrong the anatomical location of the hegemonicon because they thought it is the heart but you know it's actually the brain. But their intuition uh, their intuitive understanding of human psychology on which they built their moral philosophy of action was right on target which makes their philosophy perfectly compatible with modern cognitive science. For another example of such compatibility, this one concerning the Stoic treatment of emotions as cognitively informed, see here. So there is no magic here, the Stoics were simply astute observers of human nature. To summarize then, the hegemonicon our ruling faculty is roughly equivalent to the functions performed by the mammalian frontal lobes which are particularly developed in the great apes and that in the human species reached full maturity in our late 20s Prohairisis is is our special faculty of deliberate rational judgment and is made possible by subcomponents of the frontal lobes. Our volition is compatible with the fact that the cosmos is characterized by a universal web of cause and effects because some of these causes are internally generated, see Chrysippus Cylinder, which makes Stoic philosophy of of mind a type of. about quote-unquote free will. And please, let's no longer use that term. Finally, not only there is no contradiction between modern cognitive science and the stoic idea that some things, namely our judgments, are quote-unquote up to us, it is on the contrary. The cause that modern science tells us about the anatomical basis and um, physiological mechanisms underlying prohiresis it is this congruence between early stoic intuitions about human psychology and nature and modern science that make their philosophy still so useful today. We can therefore agree with Epictetus when he says, You're not flesh or hair, but volition. If you keep that beautiful, then you will be beautiful. Discourses 3.1.40 And this is the end of the article and also the end of the episode. And I'm going to see you the next time. Bye-bye.